This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Welcome back to the Build a Better Us podcast. The president of Build a Better Us, B.J. Thompson, and licensed therapist John J.P. Parker are about to discuss spiritual, relational, and personal development from a refreshing perspective. Be sure to stay tuned to the end to find out how you can become a part of the BBU Nation. But for now, we hope you enjoyed this conversation with BJ and JP. Hello, everybody. I'm John Parker. And I'm BJ Thompson. And this is the Build a Better Us podcast. We are here live and direct, bringing you those hot facts like we always do. And today we're not playing no games. We just we just jumping right into to today's topic. Yeah. To, yeah, let's get it. Today we're talking about <laughs> <laughs> moving. Speaking of moving too fast, we're talking about like moving past the pain and mm. uh, how, how we often do that wrong. Yeah, it's it's easy, man. You know, people don't like to move past the pain. Sometimes we linger in pain. We just we live in a pain. We live in a trauma <laughs> of things. And so today. We'd love to talk about helping you move past it, right? Not ignore it, not pretend that it ain't there, not act like it never occurred, but for you to be able to move past the pain. JP, what are some times that you've seen in your life where you refused to move past the pain or you had the pain mm-hmm. and you couldn't move past it? What do you, what do you think? Um, the biggest thing that blares out to me is it's uh, relation. Well, no, I will say job pain. So I was in Ooh. a job. Yeah, yeah, I was I was, you know, relationships are always a low hanging fruit. Those are the easy ones, right? <laughs> you know, it's like having a green eyed girlfriend and you swear you never date green eyed girls ever again in life, right? Um so what happens is for me, uh I had a situation in one of my jobs where I had been, I guess, interning there for like a year or two. And then I got the job. I was a program manager for this, you know, like a boys and girls club type of placement in California. And my year review came up. And mind you, I'd been there for two or three years already volunteering. And my boss, yeah. she gave me like a- Hold on, a, was, it, was it a paid volunteer position or was it just like you volunteer, no, volunteer? No, it was like a school credit volunteer. It's like college. So this was like a okay. while in college, I volunteered. And then when I graduated, I was like, all right, let me get this real job. Okay. So basically my supervisor gave me my year review and she, I mean, she let me have it. It was all bad, right? I mean, it wasn't all bad, but it was all bad. And as a volunteer? She, hold on. How do you get a bad review as a volunteer? <laughs> no, this is when I actually got the job. So I volunteered first. Oh, okay, got it. And then I got the job. <laughs> uh, so my you, that, was, that would be terrible if you volunteered wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just here every week for free. And um, I'm getting a bad <laughs> score. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry about that. That's like my dad told me one time, man, you forget your head if it wasn't attached to your neck. <laughs> I just I was forgetful as a kid, man. I just forgot stuff. Um, so my one year review comes up. She just ripped me a new one. And at the end of it, I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, cool. I'm like, you know, hey, I wanted to go home. It was after hours. We did the, the review, you know, after the clock had stopped. So as far as I was concerned, if there was going to be any conversation, it could happen the next day on the clock. Like I was good. Yeah. So she kept pushing it. Well, what do you got to say? What do you have to say? Well, don't you have something to say? And I was like, nah, I'm good. 
then eventually got to the point where she asked me one too many times, and I said, "All right, well now we can argue." So Ooh. I, you know, I told her I felt about it. I, you know, blah 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 blah. We went tick for tat, and I realized, you know, halfway during the tick for tat, I was like, "Oh, this isn't going to end well." Um, I can already. Kinda- this is hold on. This is your supervisor. It's was my she like? My this is your manager. Was she like dictating your hours? How many hours you gonna get that week? She like right. uh, you get sixteen to twenty hours a week. Did she? Just, was she that person? Nah, it was like it was my full time situation. It was just more so oh. like I, I think she wanted me to have a different take on her feedback, and when I didn't uh, give it to her the way she wanted it, she became combative, it. and it was just like uh, it wasn't necessary because I wasn't gonna go there. And then when I went there, it went bad. And so we're talking about moving past the pain, instead of having a conversation to where we maybe could have uh, diffused the situation, I just started looking for a new job. <laughs> so, mm. so instead of pain maybe, ended, pain over with, uh, I'm just two weeks notes. <laughs> but it's it's almost like one of those things when the rat gets his foot caught in the trap, he just gnaws his foot off, and now he's got three feet. You know what I'm saying? Instead of four. Wow. So instead of like figuring out how I could rectify the situation or if there was things that I could do better or whatever. I had already just made my mind up that I was leaving. And so in contrast to moving past the pain in a successful way, which we'll talk about later, I just decided to gnaw a foot off, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to get out of here. I don't want to deal with her no more, but it was a bigger issue because I was working in the community and the kids needed me to be there. And I just didn't know them. You know what I'm saying? So there was long-term repercussions. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a kid right now at a basketball who wait on JP. Is that what you're telling me? There's a kid right now. There's a whole community of kids waiting on you to come back. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great example. Yeah, my moving past the pain or refusal past the pain moment comes in the form of relationships. I was married at the age of 20, and Mm -hmm. um, you know, knew that I I wanted to have the look good um, in the nude body. Because, um, you know, this is my first rodeo. And I just say, hey, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to be ready for that honeymoon, right? Honeymoon body, baby. That's, right. that's exactly right. Many people have given themselves over. Ain't worked out a day in their life. Uh, <laughs> but when it's time for that wedding day, they working mm-hmm. out. They on the elliptical. You know, they got the sweatband. They got the uh, jogging pants and everything, right? And so, yeah. So I just gave it my all. And I remember being in the gym every day, at least six days a week, just getting ready for this. So, you know, I, I don't know what I was thinking, but I believe like, oh, okay. You know, once I get this body, I'm going to keep it. And then got married and forgot all about working out. Um, <laughs> you know, we was eating good every day, right? Uh, right. We eating pastas and we eating lasagna and we eating fried chicken, you know. Whatever my wife is cooking, because, you know, she is gifted in the area of cooking and, you know, two pounds, turn to five pounds, turn to 10 pounds, turn to 15 pounds, turn to 20 pounds. Mm. And yeah, my uh, honeymoon body was gone. (laughs) Okay, let's just say it like that. If y'all see some early pictures of me. Yeah, no, no. If you see them earlier pictures, just know uh, the honeymoon body was gone. And so. I, I think, you know, I kind of had a moment one day when I was like, man, I'm I'm letting myself go somewhat. And so, you know, I decided after maybe about a year and a half, I was going to get back to working out. You know, your New Year's resolution and you're just thinking I'm going to get back to working out. I stepped on that track and I said, all right, let me just get it over with. And I remember my chest burning in my calves hurting and my thighs burning 
And I thought to myself, what in the world am I doing to myself right now? You know, I was comfortable last week and now I'm out of breath. I'm sweating. I smell funny. My legs hurt. My chest burn all because I need to lose weight. Right. And um, yeah, I, I couldn't move past the pain. And, you know, and, and ironically, when you, you begin a workout regimen, you know this you don't get past it. You have to get past the initial pain. There's an initial mm-hmm. pain you have to get past. And man, I if I'm if I'm honest about it, I don't know if it was. It may have taken me another three to four months before I committed it because <laughs> I was so sore, man. I just said, yo, I can't do this no more. So yeah, man, I got stuck at the pain. If that's yeah. the term. No, that's it. You got stuck at the pain and it took you some while before, you know, <laughs> some some months before you're like, hey, I, I don't know if I want to feel that pain again. Um, and that's crazy because, you know, in my situation, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, I was in my feelings. And uh, uh, in, in, in initially, the Kiki, do you love me? <laughs> Were you right? <laughs> Were you doing that? <laughs> I, I didn't get to that point, man. You know what I'm saying? I, I was just seeing red, man. But it was crazy because with that situation, initially, it wasn't no problem. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't until she kept pressing and kept pressing and kept pressing. Then I flipped the switch and was like, well, if we're going to have this conversation, let's have a conversation. It's about to go down. Absolutely. And then you just let it go. You just told her everything that you've been wanting to tell her since the first day you volunteered. (laughs) (laughs) No, for real, bro. And and, and it's that initial pain, that initial trigger that set me in a trajectory of, of losing my cool, not being collected, not being composed. And then once I lost that composure, not being able to bring it back to a place where I could successfully get back on the treadmill, where I didn't have to mm. gnaw my foot off, where I could have just been like, all right, well, let's backtrack. Let's figure out what's going on. But, in, you know, unlike you, three or four months later, who decided to pick back up the uh, <laughs> the running and bro, the weightlifting, bad, bro. I decided was I was just going to leave the gym and turn in my membership. I was done. Sheesh. You know what's, what's interesting about it is that it's pain that discourages you from doing things of discomfort. And, you know, like I said, man, I'm on that. The whole time I'm feeling disgusting, right? I don't mm-hmm. feel good about my body. I'm eating. Now, I feel good during the time of meal. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's weird, man. When you start out growing them pants, you used to like, and that shirt you used to like all the time. You're like, you're not swole. you thick. Okay? <laughs> it's a weird thing to do that to your body. And so it's weird because you find yourself <laughs> at odds with yourself. Where you enjoyed certain benefits of certain things, but you know that it costs certain things that you may not be willing to pay in a moment. And so, honestly, man, I think there's a a point where I kind of hit a slick depression where Mm -hmm. my desires were conflicting. I like those pants, but I also like my chicken. And I like it to, (laughs) like, I like the pasta and I like to have it on a regular basis. And so, the first thing that I realized is that sometimes, the discomfort or the uncomfortability of the process of being in shape discouraged me from the whole thing altogether. And that's kind of what I see in my clients oftentimes is that, you know, when we start talking about getting healthy emotionally, physically, financially, that initial jolt start, people are extremely discouraged especially if they've neglected it over time. What have you seen in clients, JP, as you've counseled them through different areas of desired growth 
and they they have quit on it something for a long period of time and you are just now beginning to reintroduce them into that what are you seeing with clients through that process i mean one of the bigger things is them coming to terms with what the situation is right you mm. know I've, I've i've said it before it's just like people who have had Bad relationships. Oh, I'll make it by myself, right? So, put it on it. Put it on the audience. Put it back on yourself. Right. Start with on, you. On my, hey, bro. My response to having this bad situation with my female supervisor was like, "Oh, I'll never." And I'm, I'm about to do it. I'm about to go there. I'll, I'll <laughs> never have another supervisor. I'll never have another black female supervisor. Another. It was like it was like at at some point it went from her being my boss because we had we had a friendly relationship like we 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 did things uh, like we did things in the community together like we were transforming lives we were doing a bunch of stuff and so we had personal rapport but for some reason in this role I don't know if she started seeing me as a threat or if I was you know you know it was just like one of those things where you know you from Berkeley though too you from Berkeley. You know, I'm you just saying, you know, saying. all kind of swag. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. She's seen all know. kind of stuff in so, you. You probably maybe been one of those situations, or maybe she was trying to make me better. I don't know, but it was one of those things where we had, you know, it was more than just a business. It wasn't like a romantic relationship, but it was more than just business. We were friends at on some level, whatever. But for the way that conversation rubbed me, I was like, oh, I will never have a black female supervisor ever again in life. Like that was my my, my mantra. I was like, yo, like I don't know what happened. But she reminded me like of getting into an argument with my mama or my auntie uh, or one of my cousins. And I was like, bro, like, is this what it's like to have a black female supervisor? So in my mm. mind, at 20, what was I, 22? Yeah, 22, 23. I was like, nah, this will never be my thing again, ever. You know what wow. I'm saying? So how that pours into like what you, you know, the question you asked me and when I'm working with people through things, if they're still stuck at that initial offense, and they haven't been able to press past that, and they haven't like done a done a thorough investigation of what happened in that moment, or what happened with that situation, or what was going on. They're going to continue to be stuck in that, and so the next time I find myself with another black female supervisor, I'm gonna have an issue. Yeah, next time I find it. myself with a black female supervisor, I'm gonna have a problem, and it's wow. gonna be on me, and I and I can't keep a job, and I'm gonna have all these issues, and so that's what I told my clients. I'm like, yo, man, we have to start with the initial point of intersection with the point with the initial problem dig there unearth everything that's there and then figure out how we can move forward and if they're not willing to do that or if they try to act like it's just them and it's not you know like hey it's her it's her it's her it's like no john you had a problem wow you created this so you need to deal with it i think something that you said is very important is the idea that i will never right Mm -hmm. some pain causes us so much trauma and so much disruption that we declare to ourselves, we will never experience this again. And I yeah. think it's it's those moments, right? That whatever is the cause of that pain. So me, I'm on that track, man. My heart, I'm talking about my chest is on fire. My mm-hmm. body is hurting. And I think to myself, why would I put myself through this again? Right? Mm-hmm. I am out of breath. My legs are on fire. My chest is on fire. And the pain makes me say, I will never, right? And I think this is such a common thing that happens with people who want to move past the pain, is that sometimes when you engage the process that could make you healthy, Mm -hmm. it is so disruptive, it is so challenging, it is so um, difficult 
that the moment you hit the friction of transformation, you declare an I will never moment. And mm -hmm. then now that no longer becomes an option. So now if I want to get in shape, running is no longer an option. Right. right? Yep. Yep. Uh, if you need to, to get new employment, having a black female, shout out to all the black females listening to this I, podcast I love, right now. I love y'all. I love y'all. He grew past this, y'all. Uh, yeah, make sure y'all go to com and uh, <laughs> just know that we got love for you and uh, you, you guys are meaningful, special here, right? But when you declare, hey, I will never again have this thing. Now, when you need to grow, it no longer becomes an option. And then therefore, you have to find options outside of the I nevers. What have you seen when people declare that I will never again? How have you seen that be harmful? Uh, it affects their whole life. <laughs> people think, so I thought that, oh, I will Say never. Say it again. Start off again. You said, what, what do you see again? It affects their whole life. Mm, um, what do you mean? It, so I may have thought that, oh, I will never have a black female supervisor again was strictly related to my job, but it also played into other areas of my life where anytime yeah. a black a black female, whether it was in church work, was in other community service, was in jobs, whether in romantic relationships, there was just something about a black woman in a position of power over me because of this last supervisor and not working through those issues and not working through that pain so I can move past the pain successfully, it just wow. started rubbing me the wrong way. Um, issues with my mama. I mean, I started talking crazy to my mama, but if she tried to give me advice or try to put input on my life, it was kind of like, anyway, mind your business type of situation. And there was just mind nothing. Your mind, mind your business. business. Go ahead. There was, there was nothing. Just It just wasn't anything that a black female for years could tell me when it came to bettering my life or putting me in a position of doing something different or when it came to just, you know, trying to help me or shape and mold me or whatever the case may be, if that makes sense. Yeah. And and so what happens is, you know, in the time I may have thought that, oh, this was just, you know, job related. But no, it became personal life related, became other aspects of my spiritual growth and development. It came other aspects of romantic relationships. And people don't seem to understand the significance of when you have those and when you declare those I will never moments. Um, it's not just related to that one particular thing. And that's just kind of how we are as people, like you're saying, with the mm. working out. Like I have a whole mantra now how I work out. Like if it's been a certain amount of time and I know I'm going to be sore, instead of just diving in and running to my chest burns or swimming till my arms fall off or lifting heavy weights, <laughs> I just go slow. Yeah, 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 Bro, yeah. I, just, I just start off with the weights that I can lift and then I add a little bit more, I add a little bit more and I add a little bit more because it's the I will never be sore again mantra. You know what I'm saying? And so it just becomes a way of life. And although in the gym situation for me, it may not hurt me. But there are other areas of my life, if it's I will never and I slow roll it or I don't just jump in head first or I just don't take a chance or I just don't invest in myself or I just don't whatever because I don't ever want to feel a certain way or or lose money or what they say, that's scared it. money don't make no money. You that's know what it. I'm saying? Like, that's it. it just that's it. Mantra. Yeah. 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 No, I, I love the fact that you're saying I never want to feel like that again. You know, oftentimes it's not that we don't want the progress that comes along with it or the outcome that, that comes along. It's the feeling associated with what we believe is the progress. And so the I will never moment becomes a declarative statement because we feel such a tension about the activity that now our um, remedial brain 
begins mm-hmm. to say that's not safe, right? right? And so when we talk about this idea of conditioning oneself, avoiding the pain, moving past the pain, oftentimes the absence of growth in certain areas of our life, whether it be spiritually, whether it be emotionally, whether it be career, finance-wise, because we have told ourselves, hey, that's not safe, we end up being placed in a position where we say that isn't even an option anymore. Running isn't an option. And I love your point about sometimes you try to categorize or compartmentalize that to one specific area when the truth of the matter is it begins to show itself in every area, right? So anytime it comes up, you have an unspoken knee-jerk reaction to resist anything that looks like it. And so moving past the pain, if you just now tuning into this podcast, we are discussing how it is that you move past the pain. Now, again, you hear pain, you think breakup. Sometimes pain is a pink slip. We talk about this all the time. Sometimes the pain is you left a faith organization or a faith community and you don't know how to be connected in another one. Sometimes the pain is you want to grow in your career. I think what we're saying right now is declaring the I never moments or in your life will actually hinder you from being able to move past the pain because you don't truly understand what it is. What are some ways we can begin to move past the pain or challenge the I never moments? Because I know a lot of clients who begin to get stuck in that moment. How do we begin to challenge that, JP? Well, I think stuck, you may have you know said it inadvertently in that last sentence, but I think being stuck is a, a good place to kind of start examining how to move past, right? So mm. part of being stuck when it comes to the I will never statements or moving past the pain properly is understanding that are you in a cycle in which some pain that has you know, been committed against you or something that has happened that has caused you pain, are you continuing to respond in those same ways over and over and over again? So for instance- Like what? Give us an example. So I don't want our audience to miss this. So for instance, I, you know, I talked about my black female supervisor, right? If any time I see myself receiving input from someone, maybe it's uh, what do they call it? Um, negative reinforcement or, you know, what the, the way they try to make it sound good. What is it? Not positive reinforcement, but uh, uh, criticism. Like when it's, when it's criticism, but they try to present it to me in such a way where it's nice and polite and put a bow on it, whatever it is. But if I perceive it as something negative hmm. and I still have that moment in my mind where it's seared in my consciousness or when, that, when my supervisor went bad on me and I responded badly, whenever something reminds me of that moment, it's almost like a smell. Whenever I smell certain smells, I get reminded of, uh, of, of things that happened in my past, right? And so whenever something happens that sounds like critique, that sounds like criticism, that sounds like somebody's coming down on me, that somebody's trying to judge me for my work ethic or whatever, and I still respond in that same way I did when I was 23 and now I'm 50 years old, I'm stuck in a cycle. I'm stuck in a loop. And so I haven't begun to move past the pain well. And so what I would suggest to someone that comes to see me or whatever the case may be, is that we have to start to figure out, okay, how do we get you unstuck? How do you get past that moment? How do you press past so that you can move past that original pain so that when something like that comes up again, it doesn't affect you in the same way as it has uh, in the past? Um, And that can happen over and over again. And and again, it's not just in work relationships. It can become when your spouse or your loved one or your boyfriend or your girlfriend says something like, hey, 
You know, how about this? Hey, you know, you're always late to stuff. Hey, can you blah, 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 blah. And then you spaz uh, Are you going to put my business out there like that? You can put your, you put your boy business just, out there like that? Go ahead. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know what I'm saying? So it's just one of those things where it's it's a matter of moving past that pain. How do you move past that pain? Recognize the areas where you've been pained, where you've been in pain, where you've been yeah. hurt, and then start to process through that stuff, especially if you notice a pattern of being stuck and doing the same things over and over and over again. You know what's so interesting, man? You know, this whole mantra, we talked about this last week, living my best life. And, you know, people would just recycle this phrase, living, I'm, I'm living my best life. And what it really means is the delete history button, right? It's like, <laughs> you think that, you know, you, because you have deleted your history, that you can just live your life because you're living a blank slate. And what I would say is for those people who, you know, especially my clients and even myself, when I decide to move past the pain by just forgetting the things that have caused me pain, I actually cause great, great confusion about who I am, where I've come through, what I've come from. And the ways that I have conditioned myself to believe about growth, transformation, progression, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like that that convenient amnesia that you have about relationships is actually keeping you from having healthy relationships, right? And so what I would say is instead of trying to avoid the pain or forget the pain, then you need to have a sober assessment of the pain, right? Mm-hmm. A sober assessment means that you assert no judgment on it. You don't look at yourself and judge or critique yourself based off of the way you behaved. You just make a sober assessment on why you did it. What were the things that were surrounding the incident? Is it true that you know this is true of all people? Or was this an isolated incident to one individual? Are these things that you could have helped? Was there something you could have done differently? Was it the position that you were in? Is it the country that you're in? Is it the time period that you're born in? Like the ability to soberly assess that thing and not hit delete on the history is how Mm -hmm. you begin to move past the pain. And so one of the ways that I do practically, and this is on my clients, you can always hit me up at BJ116, go to buildabetterus.com and you can find us is I always have my clients write out the history of their story, right? Because we're not, I'm not helping you become a better you out of nowhere. I'm helping you understand who you've always been. And then we're building in a new space. What's another way that you help people move past the pain or you would encourage people practically to move past the pain, JP? Yeah, I do this thing called a genogram, man. And basically what the genogram does is you look at your grandparents, look at your parents, look at you, look at your siblings, and you assess how you learned how to respond to the certain stimuli, right? Mm. So for instance, if your dad learned how to handle conflict by watching his dad hit his mother upside the head, there's a very good chance that your dad learned how to handle conflict by hitting his wife upside his head, which would be Mm. your mom, which says that you as a person may also handle conflict with your spouse by hitting her upside the head, right? Wow. So I hate to use that as an analogy, but the idea is this, man, like, unless we know where our patterns of of behavior come from- This is so good, bro. Bro, listen to this. This is so- (laughs) I was just telling a friend this week 
that I know some really ratchet kids. They became adults. (laughs) I do. They were homeschooled. They were in Christian everything. And once they were freed into the world, their parents, like they, they just went for it. And it's so funny because daddy was a thug. Daddy came from a drug family. Mama came from this family. And listen, they masked it with good moral transformation. Therefore, these kids having that, you know, this is the, uh, I don't know if this is proper pronunciation, had the ratchetness in their DNA. They had the ratchetness in their family lineage. And then when they had opportunity, they were drawn to those things Mm -hmm. without even knowing it. Continue on. Uh, Help us give us some practical application about this. So tell the truth about your family history. What else, man? Yeah. I think once you got a a grasp of family history and kind of knowing where you come from, uh, what's in your DNA, then it's a matter of making a real movement towards doing something different, stopping that cycle, being somebody different, right? So if we're moving past the pain that one has been caused to you or you've caused to others, Now it's time to assess, okay, once you realize that you hurt people when you're hurt, once you realize you say mean things, once you realize you do things to people when they do things to you, then you have to actively do something different. Hmm. Um, For myself, I have a problem because of how I was raised living by the fruit of the spirit. So every day I have to pray when I wake up, Lord, help me to be peaceful, help me to be long-suffering, help me to be patient, help me to be be kind, help me to be so on and so on and so on. And so that has become a part of my life so that when someone cuts me off in traffic or flips me off or honks their horn, my first response isn't to hit the brakes and get out the car. It's to say, hey, you know what? Let me use something that my, my, my mama told me. Hey, give fool space. You know, some people like to get closer to fools when they act a fool. You know what? Nope. When fools act a fool, you give them space. And so that helps me learn how to, you know, and live by the code of just letting stuff roll off my back. And so once you realize what's in your DNA, once you recognize family history, once you recognize the stuff that you do, practically you need to go about changing that so that your first reaction, your first nature becomes a positive thing, becomes a good thing. It becomes opposite of what you've grown to be. Good. So what I'm hearing you say is to be very aware of who you are where you come from, and then doing things and being around people that promote difference in how you live, how you respond, and what it is you desire. And so just wrapping up, you know, sometimes it can be difficult to figure out your unique design and how you need to move past the pain. And it, it is sometimes it's good to read literature that would be assisted in this area, but sometimes you need a person like a coach or a mentor. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for a coach or a mentor, any recommendations of a coach or a mentor you'd be looking for? And there's this crazy website, builditbetterus.com, that you can go to and it'll have life coaches um, that you can see. It's a guy, uh, BJ Thompson, BJ116. It's another guy, John Parker, C. John Rohr. C. John Um, Rohr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You you, you get in contact with those two guys um, and they'll get you right. Absolutely. And the initial consultation is free. And our job is just to help you become a better you. So that we can become a better us. Thanks for listening. Have a good day. Appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in to the Build a Better Us podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever podcasts are played. 
You too can become a part of the BBU Nation today by continuing these discussions on social media. Be sure to go like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter at Build a Better Us, and on Instagram at BBU Social. To keep up with other exciting events and resources, visit our website at buildabetterus.com. On behalf of the entire BBU team, we'll see you next time on the Build a Better Us podcast.